Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. I want to welcome those who have tuned in this morning, either by way of radio or by way of uh, online uh, church, just to know that we're going to be continuing with the online and the radio, but we have now officially started meeting at 10 Harvey Road. Amen. I'm going to make you stand. Come on, let's stand. Let's stand together and just lift up our hands and just let's make a declaration before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, our Jesus. Father God, your word is your bond. This gospel is the solution to every problem this planet could have. We thank you through your church. You have been proclaiming this gospel in every part of the planet, even today. And as your word goes out, you said it will not return without accomplishing that which you sent it. We are in agreement today that the word of God is going to work powerfully in my life, my family, this community, and the nations of the world. Amen. Amen. Thank you for complying with that, you very compliant people. So we've been looking, what, what chapter, what book in the Bible have we been examining over the last few weeks? Anybody take a guess what books of the Bible we've been looking at? Matthew chapter 16. Powerful passage. It's got into my soul, into my spirit, where Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? And the various answers come, and eventually Peter acknowledges who he is, the Savior of the world, the Son of God. And Jesus said, now I can build my church. Because there's no other foundation except the foundation, Jesus Christ. And then he explains a, a concept that they're familiar with, the ecclesia, the church, that he's going to build, and that the gates of hell couldn't prevail against. And they understood that concept, that they would be ambassadors of a new uh, a, a covenant, that they would be ambassadors of, of a higher government here on earth, representing it. So he spends the next three years teaching about the kingdom. Jesus was focused around this topic, what the kingdom is. He, he spoke about the kingdom. He says in that chapter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth has been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth has been loosed in heaven. And then the next chapter says, where any two or three of you have gathered, I'm there. So we see how the church is the instrument. Say instrument. The church is the instrument to inject the leaven of the kingdom into the whole of society. Every echelon, every nation, every institution has to be impregnated with this kingdom message. So, simply put, the kingdom of God 
is God's dominion. It's His rule, His principles. So Jesus starts off right from the beginning. And, and we saw last week or the week before, where He says, repent, change your way of thinking, change your mind, because the kingdom is now within reach. And then we find a little bit later, He teaches them to pray. And He says, this is God's will, that you see His kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Now, we know faith comes by hearing the word. So when we know what the word says on a subject, we can have faith for it. When we know what the word teaches about finances, healing, God's uh, uh, love, uh, the new creation, once we have an understanding from the scripture, we know what God's will is, we can pray with faith. That's the prayer of faith. So he teaches them how to pray so that we can pray with authority as it is in heaven. Let it be on earth. On earth, line up with the way it is in heaven. And that is his kingdom purpose. These are the keys that he's giving to the church. And this morning we're going to continue. We're going to look at a third key. I mean, there's many keys, and this is not a comprehensive list. In fact, the whole teaching on the ecclesia, was a key for the kingdom. Within the Ecclesia, we talked about how we should relate to one another, the one another's of Scripture, loving one another, forgiving one another, showing mercy to one another. Those are, if you like, kingdom keys. Jesus spends the whole of chapter 5 and chapter 6 in Matthew speaking about what this kingdom looks like. It's a place where you're blessed because in this kingdom, it's a counterculture. You forgive. You show mercy. You have a heart, a pure heart towards God. You hunger and thirst for righteousness. I, I mean, we don't realize how much of a counterculture he was establishing. Because we live in the 21st century where forgiving someone is sort of okay to do. Not a lot of people do it, but you know, showing mercy is kind of, it's okay to do. It's understandable. In fact, it's kind of lauded as one of the uh, high moral ground positions to take. You know, regardless of your philosophy or your religion, it's kind of forgiveness is in there somewhere. But when Jesus was speaking amidst of a Roman tyranny, a Roman co conquering, dominating country, the Romans felt nothing for showing mercy or forgiving. In fact, it was a sign of weakness. You, even throughout history, you study the history of, of, of the Vikings. I mean, the Vikings were like, what? Forgive somebody. Are you insane? You baby. You weakling. You child. There's no such thing as forgiveness or showing mercy. Jesus was bringing in a whole new kingdom. And he said, blessed are you. Blessed are you when you're persecuted. Blessed are you. Uh, when someone wants to take something and you give him your cloak. Blessed are you by turning your cheek. Blessed, 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 blessed. But Jesus didn't like the religious system. So he said, whoa. Because this religion system was only good for Pharisees and Sadducees. Because it only suited those who had a limited view of God and stood in their own goodness and righteousness. But chapter 5 and chapter 6 are full of the kingdom teaching. In fact... I'm getting ahead of myself. But at the, in Acts chapter 1, we'll look at that verse. But let me just quote it. He taught, when he, after his ascension, he taught for 40 days. Not about how the church should be governed. Not about how the church should be managed. Not even about 
family, he's, well, kingdom is part of family, so you could argue. But he taught them the principles of the kingdom. I mean, isn't that powerful? And one time, just after teaching on the Beatitudes and all these kingdom parables, he says, I tell you the truth. Among those born of woman has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Wow. There's a thought. Hey, what about Elijah? Hey, what about David? Hey, what about John the Baptist? Yet, he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Wow, that is a powerful scripture. They who are least in the kingdom, and that least is not saying there's a ranking order in the kingdom. It's the least, it's the youngest. It's the baby. It's man, if you just got saved yesterday and you don't even haven't even opened a Bible yet, Jesus said, You are greater than he was the greatest born of woman, John the Baptist. Now, now we've got to stop there and think, well, what 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 does that mean and what doesn't that mean? I mean, John the Baptist was prophesied from the past, the one who will prepare the way of the Lord. Well, we weren't really directly prophesied. So can't we can't be greater in that sense? Or John the Baptist, what about zeal? Are we greater than John the Baptist in zeal? Well, I don't know, you know. I haven't uh, conflicted with the ruling powers to such an extent that I had my head chopped off. That's pretty zealous, I'd say. I mean, John the Baptist was a, a powerful preacher, powerful prophet. He got to baptize Jesus. I mean, that's something to put in your CV. Eh? I, I, I'm the guy that baptized Jesus, you know, and he went through his baptism service and I put him under the water and hallelujah. John did that. So, so what is this we greater? Those who are least, the newest, the youngest. Well, clearly, John lived under the old inferior covenant. It was a covenant designed to lift up those in fallen Adam to provide a future hope through the Messiah that if they were part of this tribe called Israel, they would find righteousness. But it was always a picture and a shadow of the reality, who was Jesus, who it's prophesied about. So John, bless his soul, bless his miracles, bless his zeal, he lived under an inferior covenant. You and I, on the other hand, even the least of us, when we were born again, we were baptized out of the old Adam with his fallenness into the new Adam with his righteousness before God. Come on. The, the first one or two chapters of the Bible talk about God the Creator. But from chapter 3, He's God the Redeemer. And He's God the Redeemer, chapter 4, chapter 5, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, Joshua, Kings, right through. Even Matthew, until the cross. And then a new covenant started. And in that new covenant, we, by putting faith into Jesus' death, burial, and resurrected, are born again with the spirit that man lost in the garden that needed an inferior covenant to guide him, we are now baptized into Christ's body and we are given of his spirit. 
into our dead spirit. And we are made alive to God. We are no longer slaves, but we are sons. We are no longer those who have to depend on inferior righteousness because we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There is no limitation. There is no inferiority anymore when we stand before God because we are sons and daughters. Wow. The least of you is greater. Now in chapter 12, Jesus makes this amazing comment. He'd been told that he was driving out demons. Remember, they said it's by the powers of darkness and Beelzebub. And he like, kind of reasons with them a little bit. Uh, well, if I'm doing it, what are you people? You know, you'll have to judge yourself. But verse 28, he says, he has the, he has the, big, the big idea. But if I'm driving out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come among you. Wow. Jesus effectively is saying, this kingdom that is within reach, this kingdom that has been reserved for those who are not even greater, the least that's greater than John the Baptist, in this kingdom where you're going to receive my Spirit, which earmarks you and distinguishes you from an inferior covenant, by my spirit, I'm showing this is what my kingdom looks like. Those of you who receive my Holy Spirit, I'm going to tell you what it looks like, but now I'm going to show you what it looks like. My friend, this was a cataclysmic day in history. Because the Holy Spirit had not been poured out. He'd been prophesied. But Jesus comes along and he's in an intertestamental period between the old covenant and the new covenant. But he came to live as a man, fully submitted to God as a man with the same limitations and had to depend in the same way on the Holy Spirit as you and I, as new creations, new covenant, the least in the kingdom have to behave. Oh, come on, I thought I'd get more than like a yay. When we discover the, 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 the benefits and the, the privileges of walking with the Holy Spirit living inside us, we come into a relationship with God that was previously thought impossible. The Holy Spirit in us, Jesus said, will remind us of all the things He taught. Which drives, sends me to my next scripture that I quoted earlier. After his sufferings, Acts 1, he showed himself to those men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. <laughs> Wouldn't you have loved to have been in one of those sessions? One day. Can you imagine all the volumes and the DVDs and the, 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 the internet YouTubes that could have been captured if only we'd had those 40 days of teaching made available to us. But before you say, oh no, that's not fair, maybe the next verse gives us a little sneaking view into what happened in those 40 days. Because it goes straight on and says, on one occasion, yeah, he's talking about his kingdom, while he was eating with them. I love the fact that Jesus enjoyed food. 
I mean, come on, I, I don't want to have a meeting with that food. While he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water. John, who was the greatest born in the Old Covenant, baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, the things I've been doing, you will do. The words I've been speaking, you'll speak. And the kingdom is here because what I'm doing, I'm doing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was saying, or, or maybe the right of Acts was, hey, listen, we've been limited about how much we can tell you about those 40 days. But when He, the Holy Spirit comes, He is going to lead you into all truth. He's going to remind you what I said. He's going to remind you of the new covenant realities. He will progressively reveal to you that which you can endure, that which you can absorb. Like it says, he spoke in parables, so hearing those who couldn't hear didn't hear, and those seeing didn't see, because we can only receive as much as we are, are, are able to, else it's overwhelming and it could even destroy us. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit, and he says, he's going to tell you, what I've been doing. He's going to lead you into all truth. And when he comes, he's going to fill you with power. He's going to fill you with authority. Jesus did no miracles until the day he was filled with the Holy Spirit in his baptism. And then Jesus lived in the same limitations as a man would in relationship with God as a righteous man because he didn't sin. He got his righteousness from never having sinned and not born into the line, the lineage of the bloodline of sin. So as a righteous man, as you are now, as you are now, as you are now, he had to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit, to obey the Holy Spirit, to have his mind changed by the Holy Spirit. He said, Jesus? Well, if he didn't, then he had an unfair advantage then what's all this talk about as he is, so are we in this world? He had the same, he got up some days and his knee was a little bit sore because he'd slept on it. And he had to get out of bed and go, in Jesus' name, I just, hey Mark, by the way, my foot's feeling much better. Eh? Hey, I'd been back, I'd get out of bed like an old man in the morning. I'm like, oh, pain down the side here. So I shouldn't have told you, eh? because then I had a sermon and a healing line and, a, and I'm joking. Now, I should have told you because it's really improved at 90%. So Jesus had to get out of bed and say to that stubborn leg, hey, listen, I've got some work to do and you're working for me, not against me. I know what my father's will is. He sent me and now I'm going to speak to this thing. And that's, you know, this is this awkward balance we're living with right now. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom's not just about talk. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who we have. Yet we have to walk this fine line between knowing we live in a fallen world where disease is rampant, where God can use all things together for good, but God 100% doesn't put sickness on anybody. God 100% never sent AIDS or the Spanish flu, and he certainly didn't send this current pandemic, which I'm tired of naming because that word is just, I've heard it too much. You know what I'm talking about. C19. 
God is not the author of C19 any more than he's the author of cancer. He's not. But because of this fallen state and that this, this redemption has been taking years to bring the sons of God to maturity, we live in a fallen world. But come on, church. What about for such a time as this? We say, we're going to choose to agree with God. We're going to get to a point where we say, like Daniel, even, even if I die, uh, no, it was, it was, it was uh, in, in, the, in the furnace, the, the three men. Even, even if we do die, we are still going to do what God says. Isn't there a place where, like Job says, though he slay me, yet will I praise him? It, don't, don't we get to a place where we go, you know, I'm, I'm, God has not given me this fear. It's not from him. I, I'm not going to entertain it. I'm not going to be stupid any less than I'm going to walk around in the streets at night with cars racing around. I mean, that's just stupid. But there's got to be a point where we say, okay, Jesus went around destroying the works of the evil one. Um, Acts 10.38, I think it is. How that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit. How he went around delivering all those who were under the devil's control. Or it's not. So the church doesn't have to be persecution complex, but the church should certainly pray believing that God is greater. Okay, you guys made me work hard today. Now, I, I, I can see that I'm really working hard. Uh, the day of Pentecost came, um, and they were all together in one place, and there was a sound like the blowing of a violent wind as these two kingdoms kind of collided, and a noise came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting, and they saw what seemed like tongues of fire that separated and came upon them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. The day had arrived. The day of promise. The day where Peter could move from being a coward and being intimidated by any accusation that he was one of the disciples to where he could stand up on the day of Pentecost and proclaim the gospel with such clarity. And he could call people to turn from their old ways of doing things, their old dead works, and to renew their minds, to repent and be baptized so that they may receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, my friend, changed everything. Everything. When the Holy Spirit was poured out, the, the world had a disadvantage. The, the fallen world had a disadvantage. But the sons of the kingdom have to forcefully take hold of the kingdom. Can you see why this is such a magnificent key? That he said, I'm not leaving you as orphans. Can you see why after this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Peter was walking down the road and people just by his shadow were healed? Do you think it was his shadow that healed them? No, shadow is absence of light. Peter was under the shadow of the Almighty. And when his presence came within the scope or realm of people, there was a tangible impartation, like a touching of the edge of Jesus' garment. Don't you long for that? Don't you say, isn't there something in you? I don't know if it's just me and a, a few other weirdos. 
But there's like this, man, I've got to live with the unexplained rather than believe a lie that God doesn't do miracles anymore. I've got to live with this tension of, of, of the unexplained and, and the subjects of suffering and the subjects of why do Christians die. And I've got to live with that tension while all the time going, but I refuse to believe a lie that God makes people sick. I refuse to believe a lie that God can't heal everyone. I refuse to believe the lie that I must just accept it because this is God's way of showing, teaching me something. No, 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 no. Have we got time for a last scripture? Peter, just after the day of Pentecost, comes under persecution, gathers with the saints, starts to pray, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. This is a time for us to rise up and say, God, give me boldness again. Remove timidity and fear from our life. Stretch out your hand to, to heal and to perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus after they prayed. Woo! The place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Boldly. There's a boldness that comes in the Holy Ghost. My friend, if you've never received the Holy Spirit, then you will lack that kind of boldness. And I'm not saying everyone is called to jump up and speak loudly. That's not boldness. Boldness is the a quiet widow going through the shops on her own and seeing someone sick and saying, do you mind if I just pray for you when I get home today? And next time I see you, I'm going to ask you how you are. That takes boldness. Let's not confuse boldness with loudness. But come on, everyone to their gift. I want to see everyone bold. But that boldness comes by the Holy Spirit. And even if you've received the Holy Spirit, yeah, Peter's in the upper room a couple of years later, and it says he was one of those filled. Which says what? It says that it's not a one-time fixes it all. It's not a little dabble, do you? It's a continual receiving of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And incidentally, they all begin speaking in tongues. Oh. They all begin speaking in tongues. So, well, is tongues the only evidence of the Holy Spirit? No, I don't think so. I think the Holy Spirit's got a whole lot of little keys he dangles for us. I mean, there's the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, there's prophecy, there's discerning of spirit, there's working of miracles, there's the gifts of healing, there's the gift of faith, there's, there's interpreting tongues. But tongues seems to be the one that always manifests first. Maybe when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, we've got to get some boldness in us and begin praying in a way we've never prayed before and open our mouth and let the tongue flow as God gives utterance and not hide behind, I can't do it and I'm too shy and I'm too small and I'm the least in the kingdom. No, rise up and speak boldly. Maybe that's why it's mentioned so many times. It happened down in Samaria. Those who received the word of God, prayed for them, laid hands on them, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So sometimes it's through the laying on of hands. Another time in chapter 8, I beg your pardon, I've already jumped ahead in chapter 10, while Peter was speaking, say while he was speaking, he was, didn't even lay hands on them, while he was speaking the Holy Spirit fell on them. 
I mean, I know you know all these things. And they were astonished at the gift of the Spirit. How did they know? Because they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. There's no formula here. Jesus didn't operate without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And neither can we. And we should desire to speak in tongues. Yes, there you had it. In this new age of, hey, you know, hey, philosophy, you're part of, hey, keep it to yourself. Speak in tongues. Yes, open your mouth and speak in tongues as he has given you utterance. That's where the boldness comes, I believe. Peter's shadow after he was baptized. The Samaritans, the Gentiles, chaps, Acts chapter 19, in Athens. Wow, what the world currently needs is an ecclesia who come together and say, Holy Spirit. And I don't know what that means for you. Maybe you haven't even given your life to Jesus, although I think I know everybody here. Then you have to enter the kingdom by committing your life to Christ, receiving him as Savior. That's where the redeeming work begins. But then he promises the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you've never received the Holy Spirit, Christianity is not difficult. It'll be impossible. Because you are a new covenant creature that needs the empowering and the boldness of the Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit like we receive Jesus by faith. By asking, by receiving. <laughs> if any man is thirsty, let him come. Let him receive my Holy Spirit, Jesus said. And then from your belly shall flow rivers, rivers of living water. Say, so yes, Steve, I received the Holy Spirit soon after I got saved. I don't mean you were just born again, because then you did get the Spirit, but that's not the baptism of the Spirit, because there were believers who said they'd been baptized into Jesus, but Paul said, have you ever received the Holy Spirit? And they said no. So that means they are two very separate situations. You received Jesus and your Spirit was born again, but have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And maybe you have. And you said, but I don't do this tongues thing. Well then, my friend, you've got to tear out a whole lot of pages of your Bible. Because they did the tongue thing. And you've got to speak it out. And you've got to say, Okay, Lord, I'm coming like a child. I'm not least in the kingdom. I don't deserve this. But I'm going to speak in an unknown language. And as I do, you are going to provide those words as vehicles for new prayers to be ushered in and to be lifted up to you right now. Let's just pray in the Spirit for a while. And if you've never, just receive, open your mouth and begin speaking. Even if you're sitting at home and watching this in the quietness of your home, open your mouth and begin praising Him. Lord Jesus, Stephen began speaking about the keys of the kingdom, or he has been speaking about the keys of the kingdom, and then speaking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I just, as it isn't the kingdom, if you want the kingdom of heaven to come into your life, as it is in heaven, 
on earth. The Holy Spirit presides in heaven. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to come and preside in your life. And I just had a very clear picture. If there's no baptism in the Holy Spirit, there's no keys. I actually saw as the Holy Spirit comes upon us and into us, those keys actually, like if you're playing a game, just given keys, would just drop into people's hearts and into their spirits. So I feel like if you wanting to the, not just... Uh, understand in the mind the keys of the kingdom of heaven but you want to actually activate and open doors in your own life and in the lives of your loved ones you need the keys of the kingdom of heaven to come into you by the baptism of the Holy Spirit yes yes it's right now just as we stand in his presence remember that you don't even have to lay hands on you while they were speaking, while Janet was speaking now, Holy Spirit is here. He is in us if we're His children, but He wants to flood. He's in us for, He's in me for my sake, but He's on me for your sake. And it's so important, church, if we're going to be a counterculture in this day and age, if we are going to be the sons of God that arise with a new maturity, if we are going to be that standard that God sets up against the enemy's flood. It's not going to be by clever sermons. It's not going to be by philosophy. It's not going to be by Bible colleges. It's going to be because what happened in the early church is they were filled by the Spirit. Filled by the Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Right now, God, we say like Peter five years later, fill us afresh. Fill me afresh. Fill us afresh. Fill me afresh. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Without hands touching you. Just by the word. He's in his word. He's in his word. You shall receive power when that the Holy Spirit comes upon you. For in the last days, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And you will prophesy. And you'll see visions. And you'll dream dreams. And you'll be workers of miracles. And you'll have gifts of healings. And you'll have gifts of faith. And you'll have discerning of spirits. And you'll have gifts of tongues. And you will prophesy. And you will have discernment. And you'll have words of knowledge. And you'll have words of wisdom. Fill, 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 fill. Full and overflowing. Full and overflowing. Full and overflowing. Full, full, filled, filled to overflowing. Filled. Equal to this challenge, God, your church is standing, rising up. Equal to this challenge right now, your church is rising up. Fear be God from our lives, our family's lives, this church's life. Be gone now. We terminate you. We give you notice as of this moment now. God has not given us a spirit of fear, love, power. 
and a sound mind, a repented, a new way of thinking and believing and rationalizing and cognitively engaging. A new mind, a renewed mind, and power, and love, and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and self-control. Shalom. I just declare shalom over you this morning as you go from this place. Let the peace of God be like a river that you just let your boat flow down. I declare peace in your mind, peace in your body, peace over your environment, peace over us as the children of God. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We receive. We drink deep. We drink deep.